Welcome to the Potion Podcast, your raw look at the hospitality industry, brought to you by SHC. This week's episode is proudly sponsored by Bar Green Ellington for all your restaurant and bar needs. Visit bargreen.com for the full portfolio. What is happening, Post Shifters? Welcome back to another episode of your Post Shift Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Sean Sewell. Um, it's kind of weird, isn't it? We had, I went for like a couple of weeks with no live streams whatsoever, and in two days and 24 hours, I decided to do two. Um, I'm excited. I'm always excited for the guests that I have on the show. I'm fortunate and blessed as as hell when I get people like uh, this gentleman that I've got on today, Devnet Fisher. We met. I can't even can't even remember where we met. I think it was a while ago. It was some time ago. Um, we're going to talk about his book, Punch failure in the face which is just an epic epic idea for a book um but he actually has a basis in hospitality uh restaurants bars resorts that sort of thing and then we're going to sort of walk through that and if you've got any questions throw them up in the chat we can get some questions going so without further ado david how are you sir John, it's always good to see you, my friend. It's been a while in person so it's nice to it see is. you. It is. I I don't mind. I have to mention I just wanted to show you the subtitle of my book is very <laughs> apropos. It's punch Billy in the face, then buy it a beer, yeah. <laughs> which is very apropos. <laughs> which I think that that's buy the, it a cocktail. That's the whole point. Oh, buy it a cocktail. I can't remember where we right, first met. Good. Can you remember where we first met? I don't remember the meeting time, but I remember when we got together the first time and that was, uh, yeah. we were just talking earlier at a, we had a coffee at uptime. You said, you know, I've heard about you. I go, I've heard about you. And I mean, that's one of the cool things about this city is, you know, people are very good at connecting. They're like, you know, I know this guy, you know, one of the concepts I talk about is the, I know a guy concept. I call the, um, which is like, I know somebody, you should get together with them. And then we connect each other. Mm-hmm. And I know we were put together that way. Somebody said, you two guys need to get on the same page. So, do you always find it odd when uh, people reach out to you to ask for, uh, well, same thing, ask you to go on the podcast or ask you to meet up or have coffee or something like that? And then when you say yes, I, my biggest my biggest fun is like when people go, listen, I got this business idea. I want to run past you. Would you mind like chatting about it? I'm like, yeah, let's get on a Zoom call. Yeah, give you 15 minutes. Like, let's go on a Zoom call. Let's have a chat and and thing. And they're like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, let's do it. Let's, let's get that. And I love that reaction when people do the ask. And then the ask is just like, yeah. yes. Yeah, I mean, saying yes is important. I mean, there does get a point. I know you've definitely hit this too, where you've got to, you know, quantify a little bit because I've had, uh, certainly in my time, you know, like you, I have a lot of people request, can we get together? I mean, obviously not so much over the pandemic, but before I actually had to set up a meeting structure, I would only allow three meetings a week and I'd have to quantify them because I did find that there were times, and certainly not all the time, but there were times where people say, I'd love to get together with you, and I just got some things, and I'm like, sure, and then we'd sit there, and we'd talk for like half an hour, and I'm like, how can I help? And they're like, oh, mm-hmm. I just wanted to learn more about you. Um, and that's great, and I'm happy to share the story, but um, you really want to make sure that you're you're putting your time and resources with the people that you can help the most and, and connect with the most. So I found that. But uh, people have generally been really good and really receptive. Like you, I'll often say, hey, if we can do this over a quick call, I'd be happy to help. Mm-hmm. You know, the most important thing is always to be, you know, open and available, I think. So let's I'm, I'm going to circle back to that because I just wrote down some notes because I'm like, I'm, I'm curious about this because during COVID, I think a lot of people's methodologies of meeting connecting socializing um bringing value to other people that sort of thing changed quite dramatically um where did you where did you get your start where where was where's the start of david Knapp fisher's story 
Yeah, thank, uh, good question. Well, uh, there's there's many uh, many kind of pieces uh, that it's ironically I just had my uh, dare I say it sixtieth birthday, <laughs> and um, I just uh, you know in writing the book, which took me almost ten years to look, I really methodically went back and I realize all the pieces now that put me to where I was today. But uh, I was a naval brat, and my family moved around a great deal. And uh, I think by the time we landed in Victoria, it was 1972 uh, when we'd landed back here. And, uh, when I got out of high school, I, I'd already been to like nine schools and I never graduated high school. Uh, in fact, it's big part of my story is when I didn't graduate, you know, I just never really learned the way they taught in school. And so I picked, but I knew I was a hard worker. So I got my first job, ironically, in a restaurant and uh, it was down in Nooka Court. They're all government buildings now, but back in the day, there was a, a restaurant there called the Meat Market Prime Rib, and I went to work there as a dishwasher. And uh, yeah, you know, I just worked really diligently and hard and, and found a lot of um, joy in, in getting, you know, being told I did a good job, whereas I'd go to school and, you know, get an F. And so I never graduated high school. My parents literally asked me to leave the house that week. Uh, they said, you know, you're, you're screwing around too much. And, and, you know, it was time for both. I was ready. So... Uh, two days after my 18th birthday, I was out of the house, and now I really need to earn. Minimum wage was $3 an hour back then. Yeah. And um, yeah. And so I just worked very hard, and I did all I knew, which was the kitchen. So I went, by then, I think I was a prep cook, and I worked a little bit harder. I went into I went to culinary school out at uh, Camosun. And it wasn't until I came out of culinary school, I'd saved up money. And uh, having I'd lived abroad when I was younger. And I really wanted to travel. So I traveled Europe for three months. And when I came back, I decided I loved people. I wanted to connect with people. And uh, fate found me in the chilly northern town of Prince George. And I went into the best hotel that was in the city, which was the Coast Hotel, the Coast Inn of the North. And I basically sold myself as a front of the house guy. And uh, I was able to get a job as a front of the house guy. But I had to start as a busboy. I was a 25-year-old busboy. But uh, I did, and I think that this kind of um, illustrates one of the one of the key uh, lessons that I've learned in life is I did what I had to do to get the job I wanted. I put my pride aside, even though I'd managed two kitchens in large hotels already. I said, if this is what I want, I'll do what I had to do. And I was a busboy for three weeks, and then they promoted me to the restaurant manager in my <laughs> front end hospitality. Yeah, you know the way it works. <laughs> You know, the way it worked was the guy was going to leave anyway, and they wanted to sort of test out to see, you know, test my mettle. But, you know, from then on, just in a real quick Coles notes, you know, I mean, it was a trajectory straight up from there. I, I went on and I worked corporately. I went from being like a coffee shop manager to a food and beverage assistant manager with seven outlets under my belt. Uh, then I went to work for larger properties, bigger properties. Uh, and eventually I had my own restaurant, bar and grill at Sun Peak Ski Resort, uh, which was a huge uh, undertaking and uh, learned a lot. That was where I was became a straight entrepreneur, and uh, had some had a couple of great business partners, a couple of not so great business partners. Uh, but you know that's kind of where it all wound up. And, and everything I just told you there was probably about a thirty year timeline. So yeah, I left there about fifteen years ago. Did a bit of sales, and then I launched myself full into what I do. That's now. where we met. Sales, Fenomens. When you work for Fenomens at Moxie's. That's, there you go. There we go. Do. Boom. And there we go. You at Clive's. Long enough, it would come up. Bam. Uh, yes. Uh, uh.
<laughs> I'm, I'm curious. I, I want to go back to the three, the the busboy thing that you were mentioning. Mm. Do, do you think, and this is a societal macro sort of thing. Do you think there's a lot of um, people who miss the opportunities to gain so much in the macro because they're looking at the micro too much? Like you were saying, like you'd already run the kitchens, and you were like, well, you could have been proud. Like when they said, when they said, oh, we're going to put you on as a busboy, you could have gone. See ya. I'm out of there. Well, you know, as I mentioned, I'm 60 years old (laughs) and I look back at a lot of things these days. um, And I, 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 quite frankly, I see a lot of very basic ideas because I think life is fundamentals. doesn't matter if it shows up in a rocket ship. There are still fundamentals at play. And what you're asking about is a fundamental. Are people not willing to do the hard work or the basic stuff because they think they're too good for it. Uh, There's a great old saying I love. It says a lot of people don't recognize opportunity because it shows up wearing overhauls and holding a shovel. And it's so true. And I think that if if there's anything that's going to um, really, really damage the the current uh, employment like the, the current um, uh, demographic of employment right now, the people out there right now, it's losing the sense that, you know, not everything is supposed to be huge and big. Mm-hmm. We have to, you have to be prepared to put in the hard work. Um, when I got that job at the, at, the, um, at the hotel, it was very funny. I arrived at Prince George. I mean, my goodness, in, in January, I think it was too. It was ridiculous. Um, and I remember when I went to look for the job, I, I called them up and I said, uh, hi, I'd like to come and apply for a job. And they said, leave a resume at the front desk. And you and I both know where that goes. Yeah. <laughs> so then I thought, okay, well, what's next? And I thought, okay, I have an idea. So I called back and I said, I'd like to speak to the person who does the hiring. And they said, oh, that's our assistant manager. The name was Dallas. So I said, put me through. They put me through. Dallas answered. I said, I'm here in town. I'd love to meet with you for a job. Uh, she said, please just leave your resume at the front desk. So I, okay, so strike two. And then it dawned on me, who is the person that most it, it's most important for to have great employees? And that is the boss, the general manager. So I called back, I inquired, I found out who the general manager was. I called back the next day and I said, Mr. Darwin, my name is David, I'm new in town. I really want to work for your hotel. I can bring them, you know, amazing things. He said, talked to my assistant manager, she does all the hiring. I said, sir, five minutes of your time. That's all I'm asking. He said, okay. And I met with him the next day. And I went from, like I said, busboy to coffee shop manager until eight years later, I was a corporate bar consultant for them overseeing five properties. But had I not been tenacious mm-hmm. and you know put my pride aside or done what I needed to do, I mean, this is a really big philosophy in my life is do whatever, and I mean, whatever you need to do to achieve that result, whatever that result is for you for that day. Once you do that, the rest will all fall into place. But if you're like, I'm above that, you're going to stagnate quickly. Do you think, like, that's the very start of the, your career, like getting your foot in the door sort of thing. Do you believe that it ever goes away? Because me personally, I, you know, like, you know, it's like you, you get a certain amount of success, you do a thing, you think that thing's going to be really, really big. And then you realize like, you know what, the next day you just still wake up, you put your pants on and you go to work and do it again. Like, yeah. I think a lot of people think like writing a cocktail book, oh, cocktail book's going to change my life. You know, winning that award, 
changed my life. Winning that cocktail competition, like putting into smaller things, like, it's going to change my life. But at the end of the day, you wake up the very next morning and it's the same thing. Maybe maybe 2% better, but it's the same thing. These big things in life don't completely change your tra- trajectory overnight. Absolutely not. You know, you do a, you know, you mentioned cocktail books or, you know, you do, you write a book, mm-hmm. right? You um, do a TEDx, you know, my TEDx has crossed over a hundred thousand views. Uh, did it change my life? Uh, no, it certainly brought attention though. And I think that's really what it is. Is These are adding things to kind of our resume. So I'm still David, you're still Sean, we do what we do, but now we have some references we can refer to. Oh, would mm-hmm. you like to learn a little bit about my cocktail background? Here's the book I written. Here's the second book, the third, you know, oh, for me, you want to learn a little bit about my story? I would love to tell you, actually, or I can just save you the time. It's all here. And I think that it's also not just having those little accomplishments, but let's not kid ourselves. I mean, as two guys that work hard to achieve, we know that, you know, writing a book or, you know, putting on a, like even a TEDx, you know, it's, it's an up at dawn pride swallowing siege half of the time. And we did it. And I think that there's, and I don't say that out of a place of arrogance. I say that out of a place of reference that that goes back to that. We did whatever we had to do. When I did Mm -hmm. my TEDx for Vancouver, it was in Vancouver at Stanley Park. You know, I would have to go rehearse. The rehearsals were 40 minutes. I would get up. I would leave my house in Victoria at nine in the morning. I would take the bus over, catch the ferry, take the ferry over, get on the bus, get on the SkyTrain, be dropped off downtown Vancouver. I'd make it in about 15 minutes before I was on. I would go on. I would do my rehearsal. They'd critique me, tell me this is good, don't like this, boom, boom, boom. I'd go back. I'd do all that reverse, and I'd be home at like 7.30 at night. And I did that every month for 10 months and because uh, I wanted that TEDx. I knew what my end goal was. Um, but now people just go on YouTube and go, oh, yeah, I saw your video with no idea what was yeah. behind it. But but you and I know what's behind it. It's like the book. Everybody's like, I think I might write a book. Well, enjoy that because <laughs> we know it's just not an easy <laughs> process. But I think it's the, 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 the you know, the – and I'm not saying everybody hearing this needs to run out and do a, a speech or write a book. I'm just saying whatever it is, whatever your end goal is, stay committed to that goal. Even if your goal is to go out for a walk today with your wife or your, your husband or your partner, stay committed to that goal and do whatever you have to do, you know, because if you can't stay committed, committed to that goal, it's probably not a goal. It's more of a wish or a thought, you know, it's an idea. You know, ideas, they come and go, but goals, you know, achievement of something that's going to make your life better. That's, that's a pretty rare thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So what, like you were talking about your 30 year span of, uh, working in hospitality, a little bit of sales there where we first met, um, what, <laughs> what was the, the moment in your life that you were like, you know what, I, I got to get all this stuff that's in my head. Like you said, the book took 10 years to, to, to really get formatted the way you wanted to. What was that? What was the trigger that made you go? Cause like, obviously you had a very successful Sally career. You were, you, you were doing all the things we're talking about right now in a career for other people. And, and as an entrepreneur yourself, what was the trigger that made you like veer 
into a different lane of your own choosing? Uh, you know, it wasn't really so much a different lane. I, one thing I learned, so, you know, I never, as mentioned, I never graduated high school. And that, that saddled me with some massive insecurity that I probably had until about five years ago. And oh. that was that I'm not good enough, right? You know, I think we, um, I think we all go through some version of that. And I, I won't kid you, one of the only reasons I'm getting over it now is because I'm so damn old. Um, but it does, in, with people like myself, um, it does really push me to drive harder uh, at things. So when I never graduated, I started, I love the language. I love the English language. I just love it. And so I started studying English like crazy. I started reading. And by the way, that's how I ultimately educated myself. I started reading uh, business books and then listening to back in the day cassette tapes and then attending um, seminars. I mean, I've been attending seminars so long I have met face to face Jim Rohn, David Chilton, Tony Robbins, I've met face to face, you know, back in the day. Um, you know, I just did whatever I had to do to learn because I just felt I wasn't enough. And ironically, uh, the speaking sort of crept up first. And I was uh, working for a large corporate hotel chain. We had 42 hotels across Canada. And my, you know, my, my departments were doing well. And they said, would you go like to Regina and talk to them about what you're doing? And would you go to Sault Ste. Marie? And before I knew it, I was flying around the country uh, giving lectures to, to management teams. And I started developing my speaking. And from there, I thought, how do I get these ideas down in words? And then I started a lifestyle blog. And I did that, I believe it was 2008, I started the blog. And I did over 300 posts. And I felt if I can speak and I can write, which are very valuable so, um, soft skills to have, uh, then I'll be a better communicator. And if I'm a better communicator, I can better get these messages out. And then after the blog hit, uh, yeah, over 300, I thought, and when I said I was writing for 10 years, the blog was a big piece of that. I said, I'm going to start putting these into a book. And I sat down and the book itself from blog to book went, um, I'd say about four years. I really wanted it to be succinct uh, with the ideas. So, uh, and I wanted it to be done right. You know, I used two editors. I, you know, I went through everything. So, but it was, I would say about five years ago, I said, I just want this to be, and now it's put to bed. It's so great. It's like one of your cocktail books. It's done. Mm -hmm. Whatever, I, somebody needs a book, I've got it here. You don't live close by, you can go on Amazon. But that project is done. And now that sits in my arsenal, like, like again, with your cocktail books. Has it changed my life? It's given me something new to talk about, but I still do have to get up and pull my pants off. <laughs> right? <laughs> so let's talk about the pandemic and how that sort of changed a lot of things. A lot of the, the conversations you have um, are about goal setting, positivity, connectivity. A lot of these things are really difficult to have during this last 18 months, mm -hmm. like 15 months. Um, how for people that are coming out of it and i know a lot of people I'm, I'm part of a couple of charities and we we do a lot of every week we've got to read through stories of people who have who need grant money so every week it's up to 100 and something different grants come through and you've got to read through stories of people who haven't had a job or especially on the east coast montreal toronto much harder hit than here in bc where do you see a reset coming post-pandemic with a lot of the stuff that you're, you're sort of championing? How do you see that evolving and changing as we go forward? 
so just sorry i just want to make sure I, I'm, i've got the correct question how do i see like people just like sort of getting back on track i think yeah or? i think i think that's the hard thing is there's been a lot of negativity during the covid like a lot of people have just been like i don't know what to do they keep changing the rules they keep moving the finish line how do i reset myself post-pandemic to sort of start refocusing and we, we've got a massive labor shortage in in the hospitality industry i think a lot of mm-hmm. industries got massive labor shortage because a lot of people did go out and do their own thing and sort of build their own little side hustles and stuff like that so mm-hmm. for people for people who are just still and there's a lot of kids out there which I, I talk to regularly that are just still very lost and don't know what the next step is where's your sort of repositioning for a lot of the stuff you do for the next six months yeah, well, I, you know, for myself, you know, I'll tell you what, you know, I've kind of learned. And again, and I'll, I'll caution you right up front. A lot of what I say is not popular because it's the truth and people yep. don't want to hear the truth. Right. So I think the first thing we have to do is take responsibility for our own situations. Good, bad or indifferent. Um, you know, my son is 25 years old and at age five, he was diagnosed with an absolutely horrific illness. He has muscular dystrophy. He's basically been a quadriplegic since five years old. So what my TEDx is on is is kind of how we live our life together. And so I'm not saying his life, you know, everybody should be grateful because they don't have muscular dystrophy. But, you know, for the past 25 years, well, 20 years uh, since he was five, you know, we've had to do whatever we had to do to make to, to, to get our, our achieve our goals. And I think that message is universal. So the first thing we need to do is people are like, well, there's so much negative news. OK, so stop listening to it. I mean, with all due respect, you know, if you're getting bummed out, you know, hearing about, you know, all the crazy conspiracy theories, stop reading about them for crying out loud, period. Um, you know, if you're, if something is not serving you, take it out of your life and people say, well, that's easy for you. No, it's easy for anyone. One of the biggest challenges we have in our world today, whoops, is our phones. People are so glued to them. Um, just downtime on your phone. Don't, don't think you have to answer every text immediately or look at be updated or you know i i I use facebook lightly just to promote my business and learn about my business but i'm very low-key on social media unless there's a purpose for it because i'd rather be spending time with my friends or my family so number one is i would really limit the negative in or, or eliminate the negativity number two is whatever you're interested in the book has been written Whatever you need to learn, the book has been written. Um, it may be this one, but it's pretty good at something else. Uh, geez, how do I, how do I, you know, I've wanted to take up a new interest. How do I, you know, um, meet people in the pandemic? There's a book out there, you know, and when I say book, I don't mean read off a phone. I mean a book. I've got a friend of mine who says, loves to tell me they read on their phone a book. And yet I bet you out of 90% of the time they think they're reading on their phone, they're distracted by everything else. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we pick up a good old fashioned book. Like right now I'm reading for the second time, The Tipping Point. Have you read this one? No. Amazing book. Yeah. So Gladwell, everybody knows Malcolm Gladwell. He's a, an amazing guy. And it's really about, you know, how do, you know, epidemics and pandemics, but or epidemics start, but epidemics in, in um, sales or epidemics in trends, right? What's that magic moment? But by picking up a book and reading it, you're going to learn first firsthand um, some strategies and tools from somewhere who's been there, done that. 
Nobody is going to pick up one of your cocktail books and see a, a picture of a, an empty glass and water and say, mm -hmm. yeah, that's kind of all I did. You've been down that road. You've invested the time. You've learned it. You found it. That's why they go. That's how they make that perfect Jean Sewell cocktail. So invest in the books. Read the books that will help you learn. And um, yeah, so I mean, get rid of the negativity. Read the books that are going to help you. And I think this is a very important piece too, is just remember you're not alone in this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely know that you're not alone. Every, you know, again, 60 years old, five years ago, I pretty much stopped feeling insecure about things, you know. Uh, we're all in this together. That shitty little thing that you're worried about is only happening to you is happening to a lot of people. Don't be embarrassed to talk about it, mm -hmm. you know. Just say, I'm scared. Like we were talking earlier, like I'm not sure how to get out there. I'm happy to tell you, I'm not so sure how to get out there. I'm used to standing on the stage in front of a thousand people and connecting with all of them. I'm still, I'm still struggling how to get out there. Um, I'll do it, but I'm struggling. So just know you're not alone in this. Know that you have friends and the friends are found in forums like what you're doing here in the comments, things like that. Yeah, we're so connected yet so disconnected in this model world. I do agree with the phone and negativity. I uh, it's funny. I had a friend of mine. He's he's one of my business partners, and he was mentioning that a friend gave him a negative comment, and it sort of threw him for a loop. And I'm like, well, that's not a friend then. Like, just mm -hmm. that person needs to be like, if that continues to happen, you just mm -hmm. needs to be pushed out your life. Because if it puts you into a funk, then why keep him around? Like, and I say the same thing about parents. I say the same thing about partners. Everything is that if there's negativity in your life coming from external sources, then you can get rid of the external external sources. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I mean, you know, it's it. We create our reality. We really do. And yeah, we can't. You know, one of the things I learned a long time ago. Um, was, you know, uh, you know, and it, it pertains to money, but it's, it, it pretty much pertains to all of life. The idea is like, you know, we can't control the global economy, but we can control our economy. Mm -hmm. So I can't control what coffee futures are doing or if the market drops over here or blah, blah, blah. But I can control what I do with every dollar that enters my life. Mm -hmm. So that's where my focus needs to go. And it's the same with this, this sort of thing. We can't control how other people are going to behave or what they're going to say, but we can control if we let them into our lives or not. And um, Tony Robbins used to say years ago, stand guard at the door of your mind. Mm -hmm. And I always like that. What are you going to let into your mind? What are you not? What are you going to say? No, no, you can stay out. And um, I don't want to oversimplify this, but truly, you know, uh, you know, you are what you eat. You're all, you're also what you think and what you absorb. So, you know, choose, Choose, because one of my greatest fears for people, Sean, honest to God, my greatest fear for people is that they're going to come to the end of their life and realize they only lived this much of it because they were too scared or just didn't put the effort in. And by then it's too late. You know, my TED Talk starts off with a, um, with a quote from a hospice nurse who says that uh, most people come to the end of their life and they realized that they haven't lived it. And that's a terrifying thought for me mm -hmm. terrifying yeah so what do we do the pandemic has made life very difficult i know it's 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 stopped it for all of us but we're all in it together there's things we can do there's you've started a business i started a business some people have made new friends some people are miraculously in new relationships some people and this is what i love most 
are closer to their families than they've ever been mm-hmm. because now they're forced. Some people are quitting their jobs because they realize they don't want to be in that that office job any longer. So what do you want to do with the time? How can you let it serve you, not hurt you? This is a great point. You're you're an avid traveler yourself. Like I, I've always <laughs> followed you on Insta- on Facebook and that sort of thing. How have you handled not being able to travel? Because I know for me personally, mental health wise, not traveling has been very very difficult. It's the longest I've been in Victoria for. Yeah, it's been the longest I've been in Victoria yeah. for over a decade. Um, and yeah. usually with the the trips aren't usually they're usually work related, but it's like you go and I love the you go, you do three days in one country, then you fly to another country. And that's the sort of like, you do that over a couple of weeks. Um, how does, how has that been for you? Yeah, it's been tough. I'm not going to lie. Um, I was due to go to Antarctica last Christmas. It's now been moved to this Christmas. Uh, and now they're talking about, because uh, you have to fly through uh, uh, South America and their COVID cases are just not letting anybody in. And mm-hmm. so, it looks like that's, I mean, it's been tough. I mean, I was very fortunate. I, I spent a month in Africa in four African countries uh, about a week before the pandemic, or maybe a month before the pandemic hit. So I was able to get some really, we were camping actually through South Africa, Namibia, Botswana, and uh, um, Zimbabwe. So, I mean, I really had some pretty cool experiences there. And I'd also just been in Nepal for a month. So I was very fortunate that I had a real full, but uh, the tank is definitely. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking for some things to go, uh, but it's got to be, it's got to work. But no, it's hard. I missed the travel so much. We did go, uh, my girlfriend and I went up to um, uh, Port Renfrew, where, believe it or not, I, I've been all over Africa, but I've never been to Port Renfrew. So I, I went to Port Renfrew recently and it was just, you know, getting away. I actually have to take a ferry, the first ferry I've taken uh in a long time today uh i've got to go to vancouver for the day and uh yeah so it's it's weird i miss it though i definitely miss it i've got itchy feet for sure but what do you do right (laughs) so with there's a lot of like you mentioned mike vardy earlier the the productivity i'm never i can never pronounce his title properly there we go um do you have any sort of special things i've tried a couple of different methodologies when I wake up in the morning, sort of plan my day out. I have my notebook and a few other w- ways that work for me. Um, I just, someone just asked me on the call before you is like, how do you get all the stuff you need to get done every day? And I said, well, it's, it's like me working the bar. I have a chit come up, chit goes down, chit gets made, chit goes out, next chit. And that's how I, I live my my work schedule. Mm-hmm. My life is, is very still like busy Friday night behind the bar. And there's a lot of different templates and all these different like books and everything you can get in in your in your day-to-day on amazon and everywhere for planning out your day how do you get up in the morning and sort of set your day and set your schedule and set the tone for the day yeah no it's a great question actually uh one of my chapters in the book is uh make sure you have a great morning routine because i believe the morning routine uh and routine being the key word sets you up for massive success um i'm working part-time at a job which i had to take over COVID because all my speaking dried out mm-hmm. so uh prior to that um my morning routine was pretty much the same every day now what it is is if i'm not working because uh, when i work uh I, i'm working at a hotel the hotel grand um i'm just doing part-time work at the uh, i was a concierge there actually and then covid killed that so now i'm doing mm-hmm. some work in their gym uh but uh yeah so if i'm not working a day like today i get up usually around six 
first thing I do is, you know, I have one of those gray coffee makers that, you know, grinds the beans and gets me up to fresh coffee. And I'm like a huge coffee snob. And uh, I get up, I check my bank balances very first thing every morning. Then I check my emails. Then I, uh, I jump on Facebook for seriously less than five minutes just to see if any messages have come mm -hmm. through. Uh, then I look at the news. I give it 10 minutes just to know what's going on. And by then I'm on my second cup of coffee and I put an hour in on my book. So I oh. read for an hour every morning. Wow. When that's done. Yeah. Every morning, every morning. And then when that's done, uh, usually by then, by the third coffee, if it's usually around eight, eight 30, uh, depending on my schedule, I often go to the gym for, for an hour and a half. And, uh, my whole goal is by doing all that. By 10, 30, 11, I feel like I've accomplished something in the day. I've read, I've had a workout, I've usually showered. Now I can do whatever I want for the rest of the day. I'll have a meeting, depending on what, but that's my morning routine. If I'm working and I have to, I get up at 4.30 when I work, I, make, I spend that time making sure everything's done the night before so that uh, I don't come home to a mess. So I, I wake up, I have my breakfast, which is a smoothie. I pack my lunch. Uh, you know, I make sure my little apartment, I live in a very small space. Uh, I make sure everything's perfect. So when I come home after work, I can get right to whatever I need to. Mm -hmm. So that, that's my routine. I, I just, you know, for, for people that work like for hospitality, let's just say somebody works in a, in a restaurant, they need a nice uniform and they know they're working the, the morning or lunch shift. Do all your prep the night before. Have your, your, your shirt pressed, you know. If you need a lunch, if you're not going to buy lunch, you know, have it ready. You do all those things the night before, it takes all the pressure off the next day. Gas your car up if you if you need a mm -hmm. car. Um, people are like, oh, I'll just get gas in the morning. Well, then they hit the lineup. Then they hit the trouble. Then they blah, blah. And the stress just builds. And it could have all been avoided the night before in a third of the time. So that would be my example. And when I have tasks to do, I'm, I'm still a big fan of the pen and paper. Mm -hmm. I keep it right next to my computer here. And I make right now I'm working on my new my new business, the Inspired Humans Project. And I've got all my notes here because I'm looking for writers. And so I've got all my notes here on what I need to do to reach out to my 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 community mm -hmm. looking for the writers. So I'll be ticking those off as I go. So I want to circle back and I, I don't want to take up too much time, but I want to circle back is the one thing I've found as you start gaining a bit of traction uh, uh, companies and, and that sort of thing like LinkedIn is horrible for this obviously LinkedIn messages are like people dropping in your inbox and like oh hey I'd love to to get to know you better how do you quantify and value meetings like this because there it does get pretty aggressive to a point especially on your LinkedIn yes. profile a lot of the times of like people just wanting to get to know you and I'm like well I don't really have time for this I can't see how uh, you can bring me bring me any value. I don't can't see how I can bring you any value. How do you yeah. like quantify when you get these reach outs? I know we touched on it at the very very beginning. How do you quantify and value these these reach outs? Because it is also one of those things. Is like oh, you just never know what could happen. So that was always my train of thought. It's like well, you never know what could come out of this. Exactly. But then yeah, no, that's, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a bit of a sales pitch. I, well, no, and I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying. For people that don't live this, that sounds kind of arrogant, but it's not because we live it and we understand that our time is valuable too. We want to help people, but there's a difference between helping people and just being there for somebody mm -hmm. to, you know, 
you know, oh, I'm really curious. I want to know more about you. And, and, and um, you know, I solved the problem beautifully. I wrote a book. I go, buy my book. You'll, solve, <laughs> you'll learn all you need to know. So next question. Um, no, but, you know, I think the way to do it is honestly just look for the commonalities. And, you know, like, number one, I believe less is more. I really do. The older I get, I'm realizing, you know, that's why I don't have a ton of social media on my new website, mm-hmm. on my new uh, thing. Like, uh, I jumped on LinkedIn. I never go on LinkedIn. And I look at it and it's just like, it just seems like a Facebook on steroids. You know, mm-hmm. I put up uh, the logo of my new company the other day and I got like 25 people congratulating me on my new job. Well, pardon me, but what a load of bullshit. It's not a new job. It's a logo. And if you knew me, you would be in touch with me. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, if that makes people find, think I'm a bit of a jerk, so be it. But I would say when you can see a genuine way to help somebody. I've got a beautiful example for this. Um, you know, say, hey, thank you know, if if you can't just go, hey, I appreciate your time. Things are really busy. What specifically can I help you with? And by asking that question, if somebody comes back and goes, oh, I just kind of wanted to shoot, you know, shoot the breeze, say, you know, unfortunately I'm 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 busy, but I, you know, please, you know, check out this page or that mm-hmm. page, blah, blah, blah. But if somebody specifically says, well, you know, I'm starting this business and I'm curious if you see that you can decide where to go from there. Wow, I'd like to learn more. Or I know somebody who can help this person. We have to be weary of helping people too that don't have, um, that only have their own best interest. Um, I had a very interesting time once. I, I, I knew a guy once uh, who, you know, had done quite well for himself. Very good guy. Uh, very smart guy. And he built up a quite a big quite a big following uh, internationally. And when somebody knew, found out that I, I was friends with him, he said, oh, you gotta, you gotta introduce me. And I was trying to be a bit of a big shot. And I'm like, yeah, I'll put you guys together. And I said, here's my buddy's, uh, my buddy's uh, contact info. Well, that was the worst thing I could have done because the, the person I was connecting him with was a very self-serving, very mm-hmm. self-serving. And he went in there. And my friend actually called me up and said, you know, this guy's a jerk. Why did you do that? And it damaged our friendship. Mm. You know, and here's a guy like I was just checking him out, out his site today and our friendship had never really, never really recovered from that because he felt that I was using him because he is, he, you know, mm-hmm. he's a notable guy. Um, and that wasn't the case at all. I was trying to be helpful, but I hadn't filtered it out. So just fil- find a way to filter things. You know, um, one thing that's been useful for me is I only make three meetings a week so that I make them count three wow. face-to-face meetings a week. So they've got to count. Um, and that's been a good one, Sean, for me, actually. It's like the business card trick we talked about mm-hmm. earlier. Um, so is, do you remember the old uh, Seinfeld? Is he sponge-worthy? Remember that? Yeah. Old, uh, <laughs> right? yeah. You got three sponges, dude. Are they sponge-worthy? Um, you know, and I, I find that how do I want to fill those those meetings? Who do I want? Mm-hmm. Who can I afford that time for? And it's not said out of arrogance. It's said surely out of like we only have so much time in a day mm-hmm. and we don't even have as much as we think quite often right it's suddenly you turn around it's five o'clock holy shit i gotta be somewhere so um i would really and i also let people know right up front in an email um you know i can give you an hour at this time mm-hmm. i have a meeting tomorrow i said I, I i can mind you it's one that i've asked for i said i'll give you an hour is an hour good like i like to be respectful at the beginning of this i said how much time do you want to work mm-hmm. 
because I want to be respectful for you, and I've also got things. It's to respect both sides of the equation, right? And it's funny that people, so, the same people, the same people would complain about like that sort of mentality towards it are the same ones that walk out of meetings and go, "Fuck, that was a waste of time." You know, that could have been mm-hmm. an email, like that could have been fifteen minutes on an hour long lunch. You know, like I, I think, uh, yeah, time. T- the old adage is time is money, but like time is valuable. Like you, once it's gone, it's gone. You can't get it back. You know? So I, I try and I've, I've done it to clients a couple of times cause they notoriously show up late. So I set my alarm 45 minutes. I said, we have a 45 minute meeting. You showed up 15 minutes late. My alarm goes off. I'm like, thank you so much for your time. We'll tie this off. I'll drop you an email. And so, you know, so I think that's always an interesting. So, um, Oh, what was I going to do? There we go. Actually, before we before I do jump onto this one, because I want I want to give uh, the one last question. The the card trick that you told me when we first <laughs> sat down and had coffee, I still use this, and I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell people about it because I think that everybody needs to do it. If especially when you get back to conferences and you gain a pocket full of business cards and you're handing out business cards, as soon as you get you told me as soon as you get the business card at the end of the night, you sit down, pour yourself a glass of wine, whatever put out your business cards and email every single person. And I've done this mm-hmm. since then. And I think we, that was probably five or six years ago, four, four mm-hmm. or five years ago. And mm-hmm. it has worked tremendously for me mm-hmm. and just, just that connection and making, cause usually, especially, and I know that you go to conferences a little bit like this as well, but especially like cocktail conferences and bartending conferences and hospitality conferences, you, you slide real quickly to giving out business cards at 10 PM, 11 PM, 1 AM. And all of a sudden you're like, I have no idea who this person was, but I try and make that connection. So for everybody who's listening, please do the card trick. It's awesome. Um, let me, uh, we- just, let me just add to that because it's that there's actually one more step to that. That's going to cut your work in a, to a third. So what I do is whenever I work at conference, I always wear a business shirt with a pocket. Mm. And when I get ca- cards, if I'm really, I meet Sean Sewell and I'm like, oh, yeah, okay, thanks, Sean. Well, listen, I'm going to uh, hang on to your business card. I put it there. But then when I meet Joe Schmuck, who's like, yeah, here, I work for this. I'm like, oh, well, thank you for the card. It goes in my, bo- <laughs> my side pocket. Oh. This, these are the ones, these are the ones Genius. that I contact that night. You with me? Yeah. These are because let's be honest, at two o'clock in the morning, we're like fuck. Uh, rah, rah. <laughs> so, so but these are the ones. I don't care how many drinks you've had, we're smart enough to know which pocket it should go in. And then I just do a very standard. It was great talking last night. I'd love to connect more. I mean, obviously, if you can have something, hey, you know, you'd mentioned this little place in Portland you'd stayed, I'd love to hear more about it. But the fact is, is they wake up the next morning to your email, they are impressed. They are impressed, right? And that I love the door. So, I love the I love yeah, the pocket. So just, just the pocket. I'm definitely definitely doing I'll the pocket thing. Sure the pocket is. <laughs> <laughs> um, David <laughs> Nap Fisher's business card pocket shirts coming soon to you. That's right. Yeah, <laughs> <big logo. laughs> um, before I let you go, I think the hard thing, and I've I've really worked on this hard this year, is to try and get out of absorbing the same information all the time i know that when we first we when we first sat down for coffee you were talking about world domination conference and if you're like outside the cocktail sphere like don't get me wrong like cocktail conferences and the, the bartending conferences and hospitality conferences are great um they they t- especially restaurant conferences tend to go very macro what are yeah. the three what are the three things books podcasts and or shows or conferences that you think that if you're a burgeoning hospitality entrepreneur you should be sort of focusing on to get outside of that 
seeing the same people, listening to the same people, really trying to build out your thing. Like for me, for podcasts, I've actually signed up for a few podcast platforms that connect guests with speakers. And I've got on podcasts Mm -hmm. that aren't necessarily hospitality ones and definitely ones Mm -hmm. that are outside of my usual little bubble. What are the three Mm -hmm. sort of the three things that you would say to hospitality entrepreneurs who want to get outside of that repetitive same echo chamber bubble? Yeah, well, I wouldn't say this to just to hospitality entrepreneurs. I'd say this just to all general human beings mm-hmm. who want to live a happy, successful, fulfilling life. Books, like number one, I can't say enough about books. I usually read about a book a week myself right now. Wow. They have changed my life. People, you know, they're the been there, done that guy, right? Uh, I use, I don't read, and by books, uh, you know, I don't read fiction, Um anymore I, you know i used to read a little literature because i wanted to sound smart but uh i read books like the past four books that i've read i read a travel book um just finished that yesterday i read uh you know cliff bars mm-hmm. you know those cliff bars mm-hmm. so i read the book on the guy that started those phenomenal story i've never read a story like it this guy basically kept cliff bar as an independent um business uh, he went to sell it for 120 million, backed out of the deal, had to find a way to pay his partner 60 million. And here we are 20 years later, it's still an independent wow. business. And this was a guy who started the company at 30 years old, you know, in his bit in his garage, because he wanted something to eat while he was riding bikes. And I think the reason I say that is, when we say entrepreneur, we're saying business people, and we need to learn from other business people. So anytime you can read a book written by, like Tim Ferriss has great books, right? Although they're a little bit out there. Um, but I read a lot of I've read like four books recommended by Tim Ferriss. Read books about other entrepreneurs' struggle. It does not have to be in your industry. That's why it's so important. Any book, um, you know, Never Eat Alone, Keith Ferrazzi, an amazing book on connection, right? How do you connect with people at conferences? How do you connect with people over dinner parties? This book, <laughs> we'll Actually, I, I will tell you a little bit about my book uh, and what I've written about, because it's basically things I've learned through 35 years of hospitality and life and struggling as a high school dropout. But I mean, ultimately, pre-COVID, I basically retired at 53 years old to travel and write. And um, it's not because I'm the smartest guy in the world or even in this room. It's because I followed a set of rules that I learned and I screwed up. I fucked up royally a million times, hence the title. Right. But I learned to use my failures as the starting point for the next attempt, not as a reason why I can't succeed. So I would say read books. I just can't say enough about read books about business, read books about entrepreneurism. And they're great stories. Uh, The second thing is develop your soft skills, develop your soft skills, learn how to speak in front of people. I don't you take two people. They're both. you know, great software developers. They both have the same incredible, they have the same uh, background. They have the same education. They have, you know, they, they both got the same degree. They're both top of their class. One knows how to talk to people, how to connect in a crowd, how to tell a joke, how to write a, a little tagline, how to, the other guy doesn't. Who's going to be successful? Their education system, mm-hmm. but it's this guy. It's the guy who learns how to speak and talk and write and communicate. So study the communication, you know? I talk about that in my book too, how the soft skills, because I mean, soft skills are how I did it. You know, again, never graduated high school. You know, I took culinary school, you know? But yet I'm speaking to 
thousands of people on a stage about how do we connect? How do we communicate? How can I help you move your business forward? Mm -hmm. And it's because I learned how to talk to people. And I guess the third and final one would be, um, you know, books, develop your soft skills, you know, be a part of a community, be kind. And I think this is one of the things that really, really gets lost in our world today is the kindness factor. Mm-hmm. Um, we're so busy looking for, out for ourselves and thinking we need to have an edge and kindness is the greatest edge of all, you know, and not just at work, but in our lives, you know, do those simple little steps every day that show kindness because when you're a good person and you put it out there, people, it, you know, it sends out a vibe, help those people hold the door open for those ladies you know, put down your phone and talk to people, say hello to people, Um, you know, offer to help do you know, what can I do to help you here? You know, if somebody asks you for a dollar at the checkout to help the children's hospital, don't tell them you can't afford it. As you're, you know, buying, you know, two bags of Doritos, you know, just show those little acts of kindness. And that will definitely start bringing the right people into your life. I promise you, I promise you. And those are the three things I would practice, not just in hospitality, but anything. You know, one of the things I do at my job, I, 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 man, I don't manage. I work the front desk at the gym in the hotel, at Hotel Grand. And every, you know, all the people are here traveling now from around the, uh, around the province. But many of them haven't been to Victoria before. So, you know, I say, hey, first time here, I have a little conversation. But then I give them a bullet point of four or five fun things that they could do, mm-hmm. the playgrounds. They could take their kids. Like everybody knows to go to the bookshop gardens and the museum. But, hey, here's a great playground. Do your kids like ducks? Here they can go here. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, it's that simple little kindness. And then they write back and they say, thank you so much. You, we had the best time. And it was just a little kindness. It certainly didn't cost me anything other than a little time. But uh, so that would be it. I would say books, study those soft skills and just exude kindness to people. And you're going to win. That's amazing. All right. Before I let you go, one more plug in the book. Punch, punch fear. The book. Failure. Punch failure punch in the failure. face and then buy it a drink. Buy it a drink. <laughs> you bet. So uh, lessons, adventures and lessons from my awesome yet imperfect life. Uh, it's available on Amazon. Uh, it's $21. And it's uh, basically what the book is, is it's six sections, uh, things like uh, personal leadership, um, life lessons, uh, self-education, success, defining success, dollars and cents. There is a financial piece in there. I think money is very important. I think we all need to understand how money works. And then basically, there's 84 separate chapters, but each chapter is like, three to four pages long, one single idea and how I learned it. And there's a lot of, a lot of st- uh, fun stories, a lot of swearing, a lot of profanity. I did work <laughs> in the bar after all. And, um, but it's, uh, I've got 35 five-star reviews on Amazon so far. Uh, the book's done exceedingly well, despite the pandemic. Uh, really pr- proud of the, uh, of the there. And uh, I, I think I mentioned earlier, I'd love to offer your, uh, a couple, couple of copies if you'd like to put them out there for the people that have joined us on the show. I will be definitely sorting that out straight off. Uh, yeah. I'll sort that out next week for sure. But uh, David, yeah. thank you so much, man. Like that was – you did not – fail to impress at all like that was awesome like thank you so so much for your time my friend um i think we're gonna have to do a, a follow-up one when we can start doing this live again because i really need to get back to doing live interviews because i'm really 
I'm really done with streaming right now. I need some interactions. It's <laughs> that, that, that connection you were talking about. But uh, thank you again, sir. I really appreciate your time. Yeah. Well, thank you, Sean. You're a good man. You're always uh, taking care of other people. I appreciate that. Lots of love to you. And uh, yeah, let's make sure we talk soon, okay? Done. Chat to right. you soon. Thanks, everybody, thank who joined you. us. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, Pose Shifters. Well, I hope you enjoyed that episode. I really enjoy sitting down with friends and peers and uh, just chatting about the industry and getting down to the nuts and bolts of what's really going on out there. Uh, make sure you like, subscribe, comment, everything on all the platforms. Just hit it up and I'll do my best to answer any queries or questions you have. I'll see you next week, guys. Bye.